Welcome back, podcast friends, to I Am Healthy and Fit. I Am Healthy and Fit is the affirmation that begins changing your health and fitness from the inside out. I'm Steve Jordan, your health and fitness coach. Welcome back, everybody, to the I Am Healthy and Fit podcast. It's a pleasure to have you back here with me again today. In today's episode, Georgia Foster. She's a world-renowned hypnotherapist, a top-selling author, an international speaker, and the creator of life-changing programs. She can help change your life in seven days or less by drinking less alcohol, improving your self-esteem, calming your mind, or even finding love. No matter what it is, she can help you. And in this episode, she talks a lot about the hypnotherapy lessons that she practices and lessons that she's written in her books uh, for you to be able to use and apply today to your life. And for more information, you can reach Georgia Foster at georgiafoster.com. For more information, you can download her book and just get into a coaching conversation with her by taking her online quiz. So without further ado, please welcome Georgia Foster. Welcome, Georgia Foster, to the I Am Healthy and Fit podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you here, uh, all the way from Australia. It's amazing how we can connect when I'm here in Los Angeles and you're in Australia and we're actually looking at each other. <laughs> I know. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, but I think at the moment, we're all feeling like we live around the corner from each other in a way because everybody's hearing and feeling the same things. Oh, totally. I know. It's... Uh, you know, we are definitely in a, in a state of, of crisis right now. And I don't mean just state like the state of California, the world, uh, you know, we're dealing with the pandemic of the coronavirus. And uh, I know that it's, it's hitting everybody in some way, shape or fashion. And I do want to talk about that. But before we do, I want to talk about a little bit about your background and why, uh, you know, it's important that you're you're, where you're coming from as a clinical hypnotherapist and a voice dialogue trainer can have relevance in the health and fitness space. So give us a little bit of background on you, your training, and how the value of what you've learned and studied will bring value to the clients, people that are listening. Sure. Well, I've been in this business now for 24 years. Um, I had the privilege of studying with some amazing Jungian psychologists. Um, and a lot of the work that I do, even though I am a clinical hypnotherapist, I work with this particular psychology theory, which I'd love to share with people today because it makes a huge difference to understanding why we tend to overdrink, overeat and overthink in unhelpful ways. And when I discovered this theory, I decided I really wanted to um, help other people. So when I, I went to London and I, I trained to be a hypnotherapist there and then I taught hypnosis in the universities for quite some years. And through those years, I myself, who used alcohol as a way to feel better, more popular, um, to, I had really big social anxieties, which is a lot of the reason why a lot of people do drink. Because I think people are shy, you know, people worry about what other people think of them. Am I, am I good enough? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, I felt it was more relevant for me if I could understand at first hand, although I do see people for other reasons. But I built up a clinic in London where I became known as the alcohol reduction expert. Um, and it just kind of stemmed from there really. And then because it's such a private subject and people often are embarrassed about it. Mm -hmm. And I say, look, you know what, I drink and I do drink. It's more the fact that 
the drinking that not, that you do to make yourself feel better or to belong or to connect, all of the drinking that causes the bad habits emotionally is what I work with. But equally, the same rule applies to food um, because food is another way to people to feel a sense of safety. You know, we, we connect to these things orally and emotionally. And what a lot of people don't realize is that when we drink alcohol or we eat food, it, we can produce dopamine. And we're not kind of hooked into the actual activity itself. It's what the chemical reaction happens in the brain that's really important. So I specialize in getting the chemical reactions in a better space. Um, and I think also, I think, you know, I get it. So I'm not sitting here saying, you know, you should be doing this. I'm very much about, let's move on. It doesn't matter where you've been in your past. It's about creating new references in your brain that support you to feel emotionally well. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I have found myself in the past um, struggling and challenged with alcohol in a way where I drank and, and did things that I didn't and shouldn't have done because I wanted to be socially accepted. I wanted my friends to like me. I wanted to have a little less inhibition, you know, to talk to girls or do whatever I needed to do and feel socially accepted, uh, where I almost lost my life because of it. Um, I had a traumatic brain injury from drinking and being in the edge of a balcony with a buddy of mine and we wrestled each other off and I landed 18 feet onto my head and nearly died. Mm. Alcohol Ooh. saved my life because I was relaxed and, you know, uh, at ease in the fall and didn't try to brace myself like most people do who aren't. Um, but it put me in that situation. And you would think that I would learn my lesson from there. But I, necessarily, I did for a while. I abstained for a while. But I found myself isolated and not very, you know, not very socially acceptable or even didn't enjoy myself being around others. And when you're in college, it's what you do. It's kind of a thing, if you will. And so I took it back, but I did it more responsibly, quote unquote. Um, however, you know, I always found that like, you know, I'd be at a party and uh, I'd be doing something and someone would say, but, but you're a trainer, right? You're, you're a health coach. And I'd be like, yeah, 95% of the time, right? I'd always make an excuse. And it was like, I gave myself a, 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 a ticket to say it was okay. Until I got, I guess, into my early 30s when I took on bigger responsibilities like opening up my health and fitness studio in Los Angeles and taking on bigger clients where showing up at seven in the morning smelling like alcohol was not going to be okay. You know, I was charging a premium price where like the why of not doing it was bigger than the, the cause. And I did still, and then I started to extract myself out of those situations where I would not go to the parties or I would not do this, but I was okay with that because I was, loving what I was doing. And so like what you said there about referencing, creating a bigger why for not doing it becomes a purpose and an intention that I think is so important to understand and try and do your best to find. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think um, the voice dialogue training, I think will be very helpful for you because in terms of um, there, there are different drinking personality traits. And one of them is the perfectionist. And they're very much all or nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the perfectionist personality trait is really good at achieving things. They're very, very hundred percent committed and they will, you know, not drink all week. And a lot of clients will say to me or people who buy my program say, Georgia, I'm so vigilant. I'm at the gym every morning. I'm eating really well. 
But Friday hits and I meet my friends in the bar or my wife and I sit down and have a lovely meal and I open up that wine and I'm thinking, I'm going to have to drink one, maybe two. And I think this all or nothing thing is, is where a lot of drinkers feel that they just have to quit. And I'm not saying don't quit. You know, I'm a, I'm, obviously I'm about reduction. But for some people, quitting is, is that goal. And I think that, you know, when you, we, we are high achievers and we want to be successful, but sometimes with the perfectionist, they're so driven that when they do drink, um, it's a way to escape trying to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But then we don't, because see, alcohol is a very different situation where you change your behavior. Um, and then often perfectionists drink very quickly to get that feeling. And then they drink so quickly that they get drunk and they don't remember how they got home and they do drink to oblivion. Like the bell doesn't ring, yeah. you know? So I understand exactly where you're coming from. Do you, do you drink now? I do occasionally, I would say maybe once a month if that. Um, like the other day, you know, we're all at the safe at home uh, space that we're in that the, you know, the government has mandated on all of us. And my wife and I opened up a bottle of wine uh, after you know, a meal that she had made. And it, it just doesn't taste as good. Like I, I enjoy being with my wife, just being with her and enjoying the meal without the, the alcohol. But there is something that I have that makes me not enjoy it as much too, is I lost my sense of smell because of the accident, the head injury. Oh, so really? I don't have a sense of smell from the traumatic brain injury. And so alcohol doesn't taste good. Like even the best wine, you can give me a, like a $10,000 bottle of vintage wine or a $5 bottle of two buck chuck, you know, from a Trader Joe's. And I couldn't tell the difference. It's just the alcohol that I taste. So, yeah. and that doesn't taste good. So if I were to drink, it's really, I'm drinking to kind of get that buzz. And I don't necessarily enjoy it that much um, or as much as I used to, maybe just in, in certain situations, maybe if I'm with my buddies, you know, where my college buddies or my high school buddies and we're laughing and we're, you know, kind of just all messing around going ski trip or something like that, I will, but I definitely not as much as them. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is sometimes you get to a stage where you just think, you know, I just don't need to do this anymore. And I think that obviously you you came to a stage in your life emotionally where, as you said, you didn't need to get alcohol to get that buzz. And that's really what the seven day program is about is training your mind to get that buzz in your sober life Mm -hmm. so that when you, you are drinking, you're not doing it to get that feeling. And a lot of people think, because our brains work on habit. You know, a lot of people don't realize that the way they're drinking is not because they belong in AA necessarily. I mean, there's a very big middle ground of drinkers. I mean, one in six Americans binge drink. And that binge drinking is driven by emotional conditioning. Mm. So that's really what I, I work with. I think, you know, you're an amazing person. You don't need to drink. You think you need to drink this way. But what I'm saying is when you train your mind and body to be intuitive, to be calm, to be that person who you think you need to drink to be, then it's a very different story. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, you know, we live in a, in a, in a world, I mean, I, I love whenever I come to the States, I love the wine in, in the US. It's like Australia. It's beautiful and some beautiful vineyards. But I think that, um, you know, what I'm saying is, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about the fact that when you drink to feel better then your, your mind works on, it doesn't like being vulnerable. Your, your brain actually t- 
tries to avoid vulnerability at any cost. So it could be, and I know I, at, at the moment we're in a situation that's never been experienced before in life for us, culturally, emotionally, physically, we're being challenged. So, um, you know, part of the psychology is that we're all made up of many parts and there's one particular personality trait called the inner critic. And it's the inner critic part that says, you know, you drank too much last night, what's your problem? But in actual fact, the inner critic, they call it the reptilian part of the brain, it shuts down when we drink alcohol. So people aren't getting hooked into the alcohol itself. It's what it gives them that reprieve from that negativity and that feeling of being less than. But what we're also adding to the equation now is that people have moments of fear. Um, they're worried. So we're not just talking about what we negatively think anyway, but adding to what's going on, people start to manifest, you know, crazy ideas and stories in their head. And so drinking is a way to stop the boredom because we know when we're bored, we can negatively think. Um, you always say to people, there's, there's a fine line between having not enough time on your hands to think and too much time to think. Mm. So I think people are in a bit of a, between a rock and a hard place at the moment. Yeah, uh, certainly. So my question is, when is, when is drinking too much, right? So there's this contradiction of uh, the, the science, health science field says, having a glass of wine a day is okay, right? It's a health, heart, healthy for your heart. Um, would that be too much? I mean, does it build a habit that isn't necessarily supportive for, you know, I mean, just an overall general health? Like I find it hard sometimes to, to really appreciate those studies when they just extract one little thing and say, it's good for your heart, you know, if you drink one glass of wine a day. Well, there are a lot of other things that are good for your heart too that you can do that I don't think involve drinking alcohol that make you feel numbs or like you had said, you know, give you some of those reactions of taking away, you know, from that reptilian brain and making you feel more at ease when you can try to get it naturally or work at getting it naturally. What's your thought on all that? Well, the interesting thing, the government, um, and it happened in the U S UK and Australia, they recognized that society was drinking too much. So they got together with the medical associations and they statistically think that when somebody goes to the doctor and the doctor says, how many glasses do you drink a day? Um, uh, and normally they're saying, they think that people lie by about three times. Mm. So they decided that what they would do is they would educate society and give them a, a, a measurement. So for women, it's 14 standard glasses a week and men it's 21. Now they did that from the, the premise that it would, people just do it, but they didn't realize that people wanted to rebel because when you tell an adult that you have to have a certain amount is they tend to rebel. I mean, everybody does. Yeah. Even kids, so right? It kind of, yeah. It backfired. And I remember when, when we lived in the UK and I was asked to go and speak to the board at the biggest, um, European, well, one of the biggest European um, supermarkets there called Tesco's. And they said, Georgia, we have spent a fortune demanding that all, all products that come into our stores have to have calories on the side, fat grams, sugar grams, because we know that people need to understand what they're consuming. And they said, but the weird thing is our rate of junk food has gone up. Mm. Now I said, well, one of the reasons is when you tell people what to do, how much to do, 
they don't like it. You know, they don't, feel, they don't like to feel controlled and manipulated. So you can educate people about how much you think they should and shouldn't do. But we know when it comes to dieting, the same thing with my emotional overeating program is that if you've got a strong inner critic, it will say, oh, they think you eat too much. Oh, they think you drink too much. And the irony is we tend to think, well, sod you, I'm going to do it anyway, because the anxiety gets so high. It's the same thing with drinking, is that we know that the, the, the standard glass measurement for women and for men, it is very low. And most people are drinking more than that every week. But what I'm saying is, when you get your self-esteem in check in terms of drinking less, and you're obviously drinking less calories, you start to look after yourself a bit better. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a you know, a, what I believe is, it's the thinking before the drinking that's the problem. It's the eating before the, you know, the thinking before the eating that's the problem. If we were in a better space emotionally before we consumed these things, we wouldn't drink and eat in these ways. So, you know, I always say to people, don't go with the herd, um, go with what feels right for you. I mean, a lot of people say to me, Georgia, I'm, I'm, I prefer like a keto style, whatever, or I prefer, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a low grain person or I, I'm, I'm vegetarian. Do what you want to do, do what's right for you. But I think that we've got to start to take responsibility about what works for us. Mm. Some people choose to, you know, say so people, if you're worried about your drinking, it means that there's something going on emotionally. You know, is it that you are unhappy? Um, do you not like your job or on a, a financial stress or is it boredom? Is it anxiety? There'll always be an emotional drive before the actual alcohol is consumed. And that's the bit I like to focus on because I'm saying, well, you may be in this situation, but this situation is also to do with how you feel about it, how you think about it. So I'm about getting that intuition back, that sense of courage to look at yourself from a better perspective because a lot of what i'm talking about and you know is how we perceive ourselves is not who we are it's just who we think we've become and i love part of my program is training somebody to build their sense of self-worth and their sense of self-esteem because it's so paramount when it comes to um to not using substances because we are who we are as we are, and that's what's really important. Mm. So how do we know if we're having a self-esteem problem or an emotional problem, right? You might wake up and just, you might feel it, but you shake it off and you go about your day and do your thing. And then you go about and then you, you know, it just becomes the norm because it's been the way it is for so long. How do you really know if you have a self-esteem or an emotional problem? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, well, because there'll be anxiety, um, not feeling good enough, um, being suspicious of other people in sense of, um, you know, what, what do they want from me? A lot of people, I mean, there's another personality trait called the pleaser and the pleaser kind of runs themselves ragged looking after everybody else and they tend to attract bullies. So I think, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it's a very common trait. You know, we pleasers want to feel loved and liked and they always think what's wrong with me. So bullies tend to, like, they, like a magnet, they attract the pleaser. It, it's, a, it's a very interesting relationship dynamic. So a lot of the, the people who do the seven, day, seven Days to Drink Less program, they, they have a combination of the perfectionist and the pleaser. Um, but the pleaser tends to overdrink and overeat to 
try and make the world a better place. Try and make sure that everybody's okay. Um, everybody loves a pleaser at a party because the pleaser wants to make sure that everybody's got a drink in their hand, somebody to talk to, but it's exhausting. So pleasers tend to um, drink to express themselves because they're poor communicators in their sober life. And then they might end up being a little bit abusive sometimes or aggressive because once the inner critic goes away, because when we drink that negative part of the brain shuts down, we don't care what people think and we just do what we want to do. But what I'm saying is that's a self-esteem issue. If you can train your mind to be not abusive in your sober life, but to be communicative with a cup of coffee in your hand, because a lot I say to people, you know, one, you know, a great example of this happens a lot. People say to me, you know, my husband's critical about my drinking. Or my wife says to me, you know, she gives me the look and I'm in the doghouse all of a sudden. I think, oh my goodness. And all I want to do is go and drink, you know, and it's the anxiety and it's the inner critic saying they're watching you. They think you've got a drinking problem or you shouldn't eat that second biscuit, that second cookie, whatever it is, because of whatever. So we've got to train the mind to tune out of that negative thinking. The negative thinking is what causes the depression and the anxiety. Um, I mean, obviously a lot of people say that it's genetic, but you know, I believe that when you, when you feel an outsider in the world, when you feel that everyone's better than you, when you feel that there's something wrong with you, then you tend to default to behaviors that are ultimately will affect your, your well-being. Yeah. Um, when you realize this, is there a good amount of time that you want to abstain from drinking? Like, is there a, like a, you know, to break a habit, you have to do something for a certain amount of time. There's all this talk, you know, 21 days, 30 days, 60 days. There's really, in, in what my experience has been, and I don't know, there might be like some hard data that shows based on, you know, you need X amount of time before you can break an old habit and create a new one. Do you recommend a certain amount of time not drinking really to find yourself, reboot, build your self-esteem and your emotional fortitude to be able to to create a new sense of self? No, I mean, the great thing about the program, because when you work with hypnosis, which I'm happy to talk about, yeah, um, yeah you, you, you cut to the chase, really. You go to that, the, the, the part of the, the brain that manages your emotional conditioning. And that's what's really great about it. Because, you know, hypnosis is the same as meditation. It's the same brainwave activity. But the difference is that we use that time for that person. A lot of people find, in particular perfectionists, find meditation difficult because they can't stop that busy brain syndrome. But in actual fact, you know, you don't have to have a quiet mind for meditation to work. But with hypnosis, I'm doing all the talking, which helps a very critical mind because they can just drift off if they want to or they can focus. But the key thing is that when you work with this part of the mind, it works instantly. So it may, it may seem a bit odd to say that, but you're going to the part of the brain that, you know, the neuroscientists call it neuroplasticity, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure you are well aware of and your audience is. And it, we now know, which is fantastic, that hypnosis is the quickest way to, well, it is neuroplasticity. It's when you can train the brain to think different thoughts and to connect to the, to the, to the neurons, the pathways that go to the prefrontal cortex you know, which is the positive part of the brain. And um, they're now doing studies that they think that meditation stroke hypnosis is the pineal gland is a very much a part of that too. 
And so all of these pathways that were being connected to the amygdala, which is the fear-based part of the brain, it, it gets not hardwired, it's assumed hardwired. Mm. And so with hypnosis, you can, in around about 20 minutes, you can start to, with certain words and, and, and the suggestions that you make, you can actually start to train the brain to go to another part rather than just default to the fear-based part. Now, it sounds simple. It is simple. Um, the only complicated bit is that the inner critic is the bit that you need to train quite a lot because we all are born with an inner critic and you can't get rid of it. It's, it is part of the reptilian um, aspect of our brain. You know, when we lived in caves and there were bears around the corner, it was, it was relevant. So I'm very much about what we need to do is we first of all need to understand that being in that intuitive part of the brain where you are logical, where you are um, calm, you take life in its stride a bit better, not always striving forward, is life's just easier. You know, we need, we need goals, we need to achieve things. But a lot of the time, what we're doing is, you see, the mind has all of the history there. I call it the histrionics of life. And if you have a history of drinking too much or eating too much, it's not that it's the truth, it's that your brain has become conditioned to it. So hypnosis is a great way to say, right, let's move on from the past and let's create a positive present and future. Now, hypnosis has been proven to be, I mean, people in within 20 minutes can get on a plane who've got a fear of flying. Um, I've worked with a lot of athletes, a lot of actors, um, a lot of people in the classical musical industry who've come to see me with fear of you know, performance anxiety. And in literally 20 minutes, you can change that thinking. But I think we, we're often, uh, we often associate that to get positive results, we need to work hard at it. Mm -hmm. And I get that too. You know, we need to practice it. But hypnosis is a really quick way of practicing a new way of thinking and a new way of feeling. So can you touch on hypnosis? I've never have undergone hypnosis. I've always had a, an interest in it. Um, I've also been a little fearful um, because, and, and I'll tell you the area where I would like to dive in with hypnosis is the time period of my accident, um, you know, prior, post, and just kind of during that process. I don't remember anything, you know, my brain shut off. I was kind of in a coma-induced state. Um, and I was unconscious, but um, I was afraid, I'm afraid or I have a fear of surfacing some of those emotions and feelings during that time. Um, so I think, uh, I, I vote, but I, I'm very interested in it. I, and, and can anybody be hypnotized? Like I'm always like thinking like, I can't be hypnotized. There's no way, like, cause I'm very aware, open, like somebody's just gonna like wave a, you know, a, a um, a, a, what do they call the, the clock in front of my face and I'm going to like yeah. knock out and they're going to talk to me and, you know, suggest things and I'm going to like talk to them without knowing, like, is that how it looks and feels? Yeah. I mean, hypnosis is a natural brainwave activity. I had a woman once who emailed my support team and said, you know, Georgia sold me this drink less program and it's got hypnosis in it. And nothing to, you know, I don't believe in it. I went to see the top hypnotherapist in the US who said I couldn't be hypnotized. I'm like, I'm going to have to handle this particular sport ticket. So I, I, I said, you know, I really appreciate that you, you want a refund, but I can assure you that I, all on my websites about hypnosis, 
um, and, and positive thinking and getting your brain to change. But the fact is that in order to go to sleep at night, you have to go through the hypnotic state. Mm -hmm. It's that alpha, uh, you know, you've got beta, which is your waking state, which is where we are now. And then you've got alpha, which is your daydream state where you may be driving the car and you can't remember how you got from A to B because it's a routine that you're familiar with. So you're actually on autopilot then. Um, and then there's theta, which is the more intuitive state, which is more the meditative state. And then you've got delta, which is sleep. And in order to go to sleep, you have to go through those brainwave activities, which is a, a window of around about 20, 25 minutes. Now, you may have heard that um, people put language, you know, language tapes on through the night to learn a new language or, or, you know, sleep on a problem, the answer will come to you in the morning. It's very true because what we now know is that lovely window that you can capture at any time, not just before you go to sleep at night, you can capture at any time when you close your eyes, you naturally go into a hypnotic state, is that your intuitive brain, the logical part of the brain, the emotional part of your brain, loves change. It just wants to know how to do it. And it doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. It just knows what you are familiar with. So during the state of hypnosis, that just that before you go to sleep at night, but even when you go to sleep, you're still open to suggestions is that you can learn things at a much faster rate because your analytical part of the brain, which is your conscious mind, shuts down. And, you know, I say to people, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. We know that the brain can change. But the only way it can make positive change is that through repetition, it becomes comfortable. Mm -hmm. So if I said to somebody right now, you know, I want you to reduce your drinking from um, eight beers a night down to four, they go, yeah, sure. Right, Georgia. But if through hypnosis, I showed his mind that actually feeling calmer before they drink, dealing with the inner critic through the day, feeling negative. If we repeated that behavior over a week, um, then in hypnosis, their brain would become comfortable and adaptable and actually recognize that this is something that is familiar. So the brain only works on what's familiar. So that's why people often end up in the wrong relationships all the time is because they're using, they're using the library, the references. And hypnosis is just a very simple and quick way of getting the mind to feel differently, to, to respond differently, to realize that there is another way. And the more you rehearse it, so your answer to the question is, they say 21 days within, with hypnosis, it's really quick. You can do it within 20 minutes. But my suggestion is to get more and more references in there. Because one of the techniques a lot of people don't talk about um, that's very famous with sports people and performers, um, as I work with many in my life, is a future technique. Um, and what we know is that the inner critic will pretend to see into your future, but it doesn't know your future. It can't predict it, but we tend to use old history as future references. So with hypnosis, you can, you can educate the brain to see something in the future in a more positive way. Now, I could ex a good example is drinking less, um, um, becoming fitter, um, having a anxiety about speaking in public. I would take somebody past the speaking event and show their mind, them on the stage, feeling good, feeling you know, great, feeling empowered, getting excited rather than anxious, 
because anxiety and, and, and excitement have the same chemical responses sometimes. So, and, and, and really educating that mind. So the more that person has those references in hypnosis, the brain thinks it's real. And mm. It's an amazing, amazing concept. But we know, I mean, there's been many, many studies done with hypnosis um, um, that when we actually, <clears throat> when we rehearse in our mind, excuse me, when we rehearse in our mind in hypnosis, the brain takes it on as real. So when we come out of hypnosis, it thinks, oh, going on stage is going to be positive. So these are the lovely things that most sports people on, on this planet who are in the top elite um, bracket are doing every single day mm. that people don't talk about. And it's such an integral part of the work that I do is teaching people that their future is not their past. And mm. that makes a massive difference. Mm. Well, the I Am Healthy and Fit podcast, the title is actually an incantation. It's a mantra. It's, so it's a form of hypnosis, if you will, right? It's yeah. an ability to train your mind, your belief system to believe it before you can achieve it. If you don't believe that you will be healthy or fit, even if you're doing the best program for as much time and you have the best diet, you won't ever feel or believe you're going to be that. And you'll never feel like you're achieving anything. So in my experience over 25 years, and I've worked with a lot of very um, you know, influential people who have seen it and have believed it and have gotten there. Like if I worked with an actor who's gotten on, you know, in a performance and they've transformed their body, um, they have, people are like, what did you do with that person? I'm like, nothing different than what I'm doing with you. They're like, really? Come on. And I'm like, seriously, like the program is almost exact. The, pro the, the, the difference was they believed and they knew they had to get there. Their why was big enough. Like they believed that they could get there before they, before they even got there. Because if they did, they would have been fired. They would have been hired for the job. And the person who hired for them for the job knew that they would believe that they could get there as well. So it's like, you got to believe it. The most important brain muscle in your body is your brain. And you got to start there. And I love the, the fact of hypnosis. I'm actually was thinking here, I'm like, wow, I should integrate this into my practice where I have a hypnotherapist here, a couple to try and, you know, use as a, as a resource to when I take on a client or even just, you know, even my existing clients, they should work with that person a few times as we develop our you know, program and, and work them towards their goal. Would you suggest that? And is that a good way to, to do this? And do you have to work with somebody like one-on-one -on -one or can you do it remotely? I can do it remotely. Funny you say that I've been working on a program at the moment. I've been um, work, reading up about some science about this and because of where we are at the moment, um, physical fitness is really important to many people not just for the physicality, but the emotional well-being, because we know what happens when you exercise with the chemical reactions in the brain. And so I, I was saying to my, my partner, Ian, um, he keeps saying, Georgie, you need to create a program called the Gym Less Mind, because sometimes you can't get out and you can't do things. But they've done some incredible studies, and I'm just creating a new um, program. Um, I'm thinking about calling it the, uh, the Pajama Diet, yeah. is that actually they've done studies where people who have um, exercised in their mind and then they've had um, teams that have exercised physically and the team that have actually physically rehearsed in their head first got the same results as the one who did the physical practice. Now, because once again, 
the, the mind doesn't know the difference between reality and imagination. One did it in hypnosis and one did it in, in reality. Another, um, another science study they did, um, I can't remember which university, I think it was, was it Stanford University? They um, did a, a test on people exercising particular muscles. One was an elbow and for 15 minutes every day, they rehearsed in their head, just lifting their elbow like this for, I think it was for, for three weeks. And then the, then one group was just lifting a finger and they measured the strength of the muscles after three weeks. And after three weeks, just doing the mental practice, their muscle strength went up 35%. So, you know, there is a reality here that I'm not saying it's, 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 an excuse not to exercise. Yeah. But I think that for people who do find um, a lack of motivation is, you know, or I mean, hypnosis is brilliant to inspire people as well, is that you're absolutely right. Once your mind thinks that it's possible, it will just enact upon it. This is what's amazing about it. You know, people say to me, Georgia, you know, I, I really want to lose weight or, you know, become fitter and I said well you can but you need the right mind tools you need the right resources I said people if your conscious mind says I want to drink less or to become fitter or slimmer but your unconscious mind which is a part of your brain that has all of the references there if it thinks if I lose weight I'll become attractive or sexy if I become fit um, I might lose friends or if I become um, this person, this might happen to me, my partner might, might leave me or, you know, we have all these emotional stories in our heads and I'm saying is that's not the truth. So, and a lot of people, the reason why they do lose weight and then put it back on again is because the inner image hasn't got the right references. So I always say to people, there's no such thing as willpower. It's when your conscious mind and your unconscious mind are in conflict. And unfortunately, um, and the evidence is there, is that if you consciously start on a Monday, right, I'm going to start the gym, I'm going to go back to the gym and I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do that or whatever, and you fall by the wayside by Wednesday, it doesn't mean that you don't have the resources. It's that your unconscious mind doesn't know how to achieve that success. So you're correct. Um, you know, whether you had a hypnotherapist that came in, I'm, I'm happy to help people as well, is you've got to get both parts of the mind to be congruent, to agree with each other. And mm. when they do, amazing things happen. That's great. I'm thinking of somebody right now who's going through a really awesome transformation, who was out of shape, overweight um, by, I wanna say like 60 pounds and he's lost it all and he's looking really good. And we're, we're, trim, we're, we're building muscle now, we're like, you know, forming his body. I actually was able to take a picture of him today with his shirt off uh, against his like his will or wants. But I said, listen, there's no judgment. It just is. It's a, a reference for us to do it, you know, and show you where we can go. Yeah. Sculpting you now. So it'd be really great because he still, I think, sees himself as, you know, the fat kid and the out of shape person and so on and so forth. And he's in his late 40s. So there's a lot of time where that reference has been ingrained. So um, I don't necessarily have the tools to help him get there other than just, you know, giving him the path of doing the right things. But that would be an awesome intervention, you know, or integration rather uh, of having someone like yourself get that, you know, even that part kind of taken care of even much quicker so we can get our results faster. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, um, Gloria Steinman, who was very much pro-women's self-esteem in, 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 in the, um, in the seventies, she, she, she has this great saying, it's, you know, if you're, what you see on the outside, if it's what you feel on the inside, you're going to be okay. But I think a lot of people that it doesn't match. And that's why a lot of people do what they do is because what you, I mean, I I know a lot of um, clients when I was in London, I saw a lot of very um, like a lot of lawyers and a lot of people in the media and they would be physically very fit, but then they'd end up being bulimic or they would be, I would call it wine anorexic, where they get the calories from wine and they'd go to the gym to burn it off. And they were nutritionally very, very unwell. But, you know, these are the sorts of things that, you know, behind closed doors, people would say to me, Georgia, if people really knew what I was doing, I look good, I sound great, but actually I feel like I'm faking it. And this is what's really important to note is that there are many people out there who aesthetically may look great, but in here, it's a very different story. We, you know, obviously that's another story about mental health, but I'm a firm believer that who you are on the inside is what's really important. And that will shine through my sister is a kundalini yoga teacher and they have a great saying that's that is um um your soul shows on your face um as you get older i thought well that's an interesting thing but actually who you are within because self-esteem is so important and like your your client losing all that weight it's great but getting the mental fitness in there is really important because that's when the weight will stay off. That's when the physical fitness will remain mm. um, because they believe it from within, you know, and that's what I say to people, why you keep putting the weight on is there's something about being that slim person that your vulnerabilities are stirring too much, mm. that there aren't enough references in there. So that's why you go back to that default of putting it on again. Um, and so it's a really, you know, it's, as I said, it's not complex. It's just that we, tend to use the conscious part of the brain too much to be the answer. Um, when you work intuitively, you know, when you're in that better space, then you can be, you can be discerning about what you want to consume and how you want to be. And, you know, and I, I think that we, we need to give ourselves a bit more credit. We're not weak willed people. We're very strong people, but we just need the resources. And where do we find those resources, Georgia? How can we find somebody that we trust to be a hypnotherapist uh, or, you know, who's a, who's, who has the credibility or the, the, the proven background that, you know, their technique or how they do it? Because I'm sure there's a lot of different ways of doing it. And, you know, some may be practicing almost, I don't want to call it like some, I want to say witchcraft, you know, but it's not like they're, they may be practicing poor habits, poor, you know, poor hypnotherapy habits that are creating maybe just negative effects or not having any effect at all, dismissing your, you know, the, the, the value of what you're offering. Mm. Well, the thing is with hypnosis, it's deregulated. I mean, you know, I, I trained in the UK, um, but in the US, if anybody wants to kind of make contact with me, that's fine. Um, you know, I do, I do work with what the moment actually I've had, I, I kind of work part-time in terms of, because I work with my digital business now, I'm helping people all over the world. But if people want to make contact with me, you know, I'm happy to create a, a, a program for them. The most important thing is that, you know, I can, I can find out from associations in the States who is good, but it is a bit, it's a little bit like, you know, you need somebody who has, um, the empathy, you know, because 
you've got to really understand that that everyone's unique and we all have similar issues going on but that person will have a unique um thing thinking so if they want to get some help um you need to find somebody's credible so um referrals are really important mm-hmm. um asking on certain um, um communities finding out who is good because you know sometimes you go to a doctor and think that doctor's not great it there has to be a bedside manner as well it's really important because we're talking about working with the part of the brain that wants a result that can get a great result um and we're all in a hurry you know we're all wanting we're all wanting to get on i mean i'm call myself a progressive therapist i mean some people work very much on the past i'm saying well we know i worked with an amazing neuroscientist in in london for many years and we know that the brain works only on history so when you create new references in the present and your future then your mind says oh we can do this so it's it's about empowering and liberating so um, that would be my suggestion that someone works with somebody who's got more that principle rather than why did this happen you know because it, it's not really relevant now it's just a story well it's great to know that you can do this remotely yourself and we're going to make sure we put those show notes and your contact info in the uh in the in the podcast info and on the email list that i send out um but you also have a lot of books uh, i think six or seven if i'm not mistaken correct mm-hmm. um, yep. instead of mentioning all of, i mean you can mention all the titles but what are your top three books and where can they like that you would recommend to you know someone who's interested in hypnotherapy or might have like general general challenges that might want more insight or even to find some more help or wellness, um, you know, by reading one of these books, where could they find them and which titles would you recommend of the six or seven? Sure. We can buy them all from my website. Um, and the ebook version is there for, for quickness. Um, and, but all of my books have hypnotherapy tracks with them, which you will get instantly when you go in to, to purchase them and you'll go into my membership site. You can access the recordings. Um, but the, the one that's the most popular at the moment is um, Drink Less in Seven Days, which mm-hmm. is, um, that was published last year. And my favorite book um, is The Stress Less Mind. It talks about all the psychology of, well, that all the books do, but for this is about just getting your mind into a better space. Um, talk about the inner critic and the perfectionist and the pleaser and just starting to take time out to look after you. Stressless Mind book is is amazing. Um, the Weightless Mind for people who want to move on from that emotional eating that is causing so much grief. Um, because once again, you know, your relationship with food, if that's something you resonate with, is a habit. I mean, it sounds very cold in a way, but it's true that is that your brain has just got attached that food gives you something. But once you build your sense of self-worth and train your mind to be who you are before you eat and feel good about that, then your relationship with food can change. So they're my, my three top, top books. Awesome. So you believe change is possible no matter how long it's been and it's never too late. Oh, absolutely. I firm believe in it. Well, I mean, it's easy for me to say, cause I see it in my space all the time. Um, but you know, it's incredible what you can do even when there's, I say even the biggest skeptic, just try it. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, money back guarantee on, on all of my programs. So it's more that, you know, the seven day program that drink less in seven day program, the weightless mind digital program, they've got a lot more content than the books. Um, but you know, 
I highly recommend just, you know, 60 day money back guarantee. If you've got any questions, let me know. But I can assure you that once you kind of get your mind into a better space about it, amazing things happen. Awesome. Georgia, I'm so grateful that we got to meet. I'm grateful we had this podcast to share your info and insights into hypnotherapy and the ability to change the most important muscle, in my opinion, the mind, so that you can have better health and fitness in your life today and forever. So I appreciate you and the work that you're doing, and I look forward to staying in touch. And I, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to reach out to you for some help and uh, some hypnotherapy for myself. So I'm feeling... Let me know. Yeah, I, I really I'm here. feel like I'm going to do that. So I appreciate you. And again, thanks everybody for listening. Until next time, stay healthy and fit. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And one more thing before you take off. Would you like to receive a short email from me one time a week on Fridays? Five to Thrive Fridays is a way for me to keep you expanding your health and fitness with five of the coolest things that I find interesting or ideas that I've been thinking about. Health and fitness books, trends, foods, recipes, supplements, anything to keep you feeling healthy and fit over the weekend and beyond. Visit stevejordan.com and click on the hashtag IamHealthyAndFit to leave your email address. And one more important note, if you found this podcast motivating, inspiring, or educational, please share with your family, your friends, coworkers, or anyone that you know who needs to improve their health or fitness. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or any other social media platform. Taking the initiative to share not only helps the people you share it with, but it will help you because the law of giving to get. You see, when you give with generosity and without expectation, you will receive more for doing so. And this holds true when you want to be healthy and fit, my friends. This is another exercise that I prescribe to all of my clients. And those that have taken it on have undoubtedly seen the most results. So please, take a few more minutes of your time and do it now. Thank you again for listening. I am healthy and fit.